Hi guys, welcome back to the Footy Pod. Uh, I'm your host uh, Thridib, and I'm joined here by the magnificent Satyajit Banerjee, and we're here to dissect today what is the debacle that is Chelsea Football Club, and what has happened uh, to to a great dynasty. Um, Satyajit, how are you, man? Hi, Thridib. I'm I'm fine, doing well. Just saw India yeah. lose to Australia in a meaningless game, but. <laughs> Other than that, I'm I'm being fine in cricket. Yeah, yeah. So, so how's work been for you? I mean, you 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 know you've been working quite a lot lately with with all of this. Uh, how how did the chess tournament go as well? Yeah, I mean the chess tournament was quite cool. I mean, saw all these big Indian names who were been in the limelight over the last month or so. I saw them in person, so that was quite kind of cool. But yeah, the tournament was quite fun. It went pretty well. Good. Decent crowds were there also, so yeah. So did you guys did, well. did you guys organize the tournament? So for for our listeners, it was the Tata Steel Chess Chess tournament, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Did you guys Did you guys organize it or? Yeah. So it? we um we organized it. Um, title sponsor was Tata Steel, so we worked with them and yeah. brought this thing. You know, this was the fifth edition actually, so it's yeah. happening for five years. So yeah. yeah it, We're thinking of doing more chess tournaments in other cities, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it was quite successful. That that's awesome. I I saw a picture of you with Prague, and that was that was yeah. something else. It's, yeah, that was cool. At Prague and uh, Vichy also. What so. what was he? What was he like? Uh, yeah, I saw that too. What was he like? I mean, he, Prague is actually just like you know he's a kid, you know, in a in like he's only eighteen, so yeah, he seems quite um uh, you know. You know how chess players are a little introverted, but you know yeah. he seemed like a pretty fun, like good guy. Um, so yeah, that 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 was quite you know a, a nice experience. And Vishy, of course, you know he's a legend, been around like for forever. He actually only recently he was dethroned by Gukesh as the highest yeah. highest player, and he held that title I think for thirty eight years, which is quite surreal. So you know, wow. props to him. Or his longevity. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a multiple-time world champion, so he's a legend of the game. And I was honored to actually meet him. So yeah, it was quite a nice experience as well. Yeah, yeah, that's gotta be it's gotta be incredible. I mean, you see these names on TV and you see them in the paper. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm yeah, quite it's, it's... I'm quite lucky that way. Yeah, feel quite yeah, privileged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, going from some of the more successful names in sport. To let's let's swing over to the polar opposite. That is <laughs> at the moment Chelsea Football Club. Um, so you you actually brought up a couple of stats right before we started recording. Yeah. Um, one of which one of which was that Chelsea have won two Premier League games since Graham Potter left. Yeah. Um, they finished their first full season under Todd Bowley in twelfth place, and are currently fourteenth in the Premier League table. And with the upcoming fixture run they have, um, it's hard to see. Uh, it's hard to see them getting uh too many points uh, up until, let's say November. So yeah. it is quite difficult. Um, oh, you also had a couple other stats. Do you want to rattle them off? Yeah, I mean, I saw like you know over like I might not be hundred percent like accurate on this, but they've played like thirty eight games or something like that since um, you know. The the poor run of like form started, and if you look at that, and if you look at the table, with just thirty eight games over thirty eight games, they are like in sixteenth place or seventeenth place, which is almost relegation form. 
So um, yeah. you reached a point where uh, you don't know when the next win for Chelsea is going to come. They have one win this this season in the six games. They beat Luton Town, who, let's be honest, are like you know they're going down for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. with all due respect to Luton, but you know, great story, but unfortunately they don't have the minerals to survive in the league yet. Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, that's quite poor from Chelsea, and uh, it's only going to get worse from the look of the fixture. Uh, list, especially starting in October. So the next two games actually against Fulham, and I think they play Burnley. Burnley, Burnley games yeah. are really important. I hope, and they have to hope to get something because it's genuinely reached a point where you feel they won't get any points until like November or December. So quite, yeah, quite worrying if you're a Chelsea fan. So, I mean, it's it's extremely worrying. You know, you painted a very vivid picture of what uh, their potential future looks like. And but I'm sort of keen to delve beyond it. I'm, I'm on this podcast. We've been looking at things from a very macroscopic le- uh, lens of late, and I'm I'm really keen to delve into what exactly happened. Right. So, uh, Roman Abramovich after the Russia Ukraine war, he was sanctioned and he had to. Uh, he was forced to sell Chelsea, and uh, Todd Bowley is this American investor who who sort of takes the reins to one of the most successful clubs in Europe. How do you go from a Champions League win to talks of relegation in the space of two years? What happened? Like, let's let's break that down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly it's quite crazy if you think of it that way. It's like twenty twenty one. Chelsea were Champions League winners. Had finished fourth in the league. Um, that same season, you know, Thomas Tuchel and had taken them on top of the world. They were talking about kind of building a dynasty almost, challenging for titles, league titles, and things like that. In fact, funnily enough, I'm a little sidetracking, slightly sidetracking on this, but actually, when we predicted the league standing this season, I actually had them finishing fifth. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I kind I of look quite, both, quite bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. we both kind of looked. You know, it doesn't look like they're reaching anywhere near those uh, levels this season. And another thing that gets thrown around a lot is how much money they've spent since Todd Bowley came in. And, you know, they've spent so much money. They've almost spent, like, I think a billion pounds on, um, you know, getting players in. And they brought all kinds of players almost. Like, you look at the Chelsea side that that played on the first day of the Premier League against Liverpool. You know. There's so many young players, like so young that you know, you can't look at them and be like, oh, he's like, notch above everyone, you know, something like that. Something you would kind of associate with a club like Chelsea, who have been quite successful this century. So that was quite damning. And I think um, if we go, if we have to go way back. I think it really coincides with how Todd Bowley has gone about his business and kind of how the culture of the club has just gone down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a few podcasts ago, uh, Bori and I, we were talking about how to run a football club, um, the experts that we are. And <laughs> we we looked at um, some tenets of some philosophies of how uh, this can be achieved uh, in a very top-down approach where, you know, you have this philosophy. And I mean, it's hard to define what a philosophy is, but I think most clubs nowadays they have they have templates of what successful uh, eras and successful teams have looked like, uh, 
And so they often almost copy that template over and try to emulate that within their own uh, within their own constraints, so to speak. Um, and 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 so the vision, uh, what we underlined was that the vision of the owner of the club is paramount to a club's success. Um, the culture and and these are very intangible things we're talking about. You can't touch them. You can't feel them, but they're very inherent. They're very intrinsic to the fire fiber of the club. What the fan sentiment is, what uh, everyone has, an image of the club, and almost, and that image is almost always synonymous among everyone who support the club, and that almost needs to be carried over uh, from the owner, and he needs to dissipate that image, uh, to sort of and and let that permeate throughout the club, so to speak. Um, Roman Abramovich had a vision. He had a vision of um, sort of being the most successful club in Europe through the through cultivating um, sort of these high profile names um, with these high profile managers and and you know like there's there was success to be found there. And after after he leaves, I think you know obviously there's going to be a new vision with the new owner and such, but what I think Todd Bowley tried to do was almost radically change that to the extent that uh, he degraded a lot of pillars that Chelsea Football Club is based upon. He brings in a lot of these new new young players, um, which honestly, at first thought, is almost a good sentiment because you hear new young players and that's almost a, a good thing. Um, but but uh, you, you degrade the value of experience and the value of fighting in big games and, and fighting for league championships over over uh, over months on end. Um, so the culture has changed. I mean, did you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, I think you've kind of hit a lot of, um, like, you know, mentioned a lot of the right points and like the culture being changed. And also like kind of you look at the way he's kind of getting these young players and also kind of tying them to these really long contracts. Yeah. Like eight years, seven years. Like, you don't normally kind of, you, you never used to see these kind of contracts before. And, you know, you see these contracts in, like, American sports like baseball and, like, NFL, like, American football, those kind of sports where they kind of extend your contract and kind of your, you earn, like, over that whole period. So Can I, I just I ask know, you, like, though? Um, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but can I just ask you? So, if you tie a player down to a long contract... um. There is the case in which that turns out to be a brain brainwave, right? But is there also a financial aspect of it where you where you take these large transfer fees that he's paying these play, paying yeah. for these players, but he's amortizing these large fees over the length of these contracts, which is obviously long, long, relatively long enough. So yeah, what yeah. do you? Yeah, go ahead. No, I I get that, I, and also there there have been many people who are saying that that's how we kind of uh, you know uh, managed to. Um, avoid or bypass a financial fair play so which kind of has enabled him to spend those kind of monies uh, money and i think uefa kind of set limit now they changed their rule after seeing this um so yeah definitely it has a lot to do with amortization of his uh, like players and then um, eventually maybe he might even sell them on later on um so we i don't know i, I mean as a football fan you kind of look at that kind of business and you know and it may not just be Chelsea other clubs as well 
uh, but Chelsea in particular, they spend kind of big money on players who aren't really uh, kind of justifying that kind of price tag. You think of players like uh, Mudrik, for example. You know, he looked really, he looks like a promising player, but I would not call him an 800 million player. Enzo, well, at the time, you know, he was he's World Cup best young player, but is he really worth 120 million? Would you associate his kind of you know profile as a 120 million player? So I how guess much of that is how much of that is transfer inflation though? Do you think that has anything is, to it, do with it? It has a little bit to do with it, but I'm saying like you can't as a Chelsea has spent. I can name three players who have who Chelsea has spent on who have been like you know bought for over 100 million i mean caicedo enzo and even mudrick so yeah. those are three names already and you know three players who you kind of look at and are like and is it really worth 100 million not really let's be honest um also it can also be how brighton have kind of sold sold that sold uh caicedo because they're very good at leasing clubs except for liverpool who somehow managed to get a decent deal on uh, <laughs> McAllister, but other than that, they've kind of pleased a lot of clubs. So, and in Chelsea in particular, I think they've given Brighton two hundred or two hundred fifty million for the last two years, buying buying a Cucurella, Caicedo, and a Graham Potter's contract. So, yeah, they really love Chelsea for that. But other than that, I mean, it just I don't know how I I don't know if Torboli really understands how to run a club. He made himself director of football. I think I read that somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. So okay, I think in his first he made himself the director of football. So okay. he's someone who literally doesn't know anything about the sport in the sense that he's never worked in Europe, European football. And to make yourself director of football and make these kind of big decisions without really knowing and, um, you know, surrounding yourself with football people, it kind of gets hard to kind of, you know, understand what to do, what not to do. And he's kind of, I guess, it reflects in kind of how he's kind of bought these players and now it's reflecting on the league table as well. I would, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's really, that's actually really interesting to hear that he's made himself director and he's sort of uh, isolated in his decision making a little bit. Um. Which, so I wanted to, wanted to bring this point up. I wanted to talk about, sort of, um, the club's involvement with its fans and how important fans are, uh, to preserving. Uh, a certain image of the club uh, to preserving certain values and and how and I feel like it's ve- it's crucial how fans feel towards you and yeah. Uh, yeah do you think that I mean I've thought about this for a while but do you think that on some level fans should be involved in club decision making not to the point where they're actually pulling the threads but where they can have an active voice into uh, what's going on and do you think Todd Bowley has somewhat dissociated himself from something like that? I think to some degree like it does make sense for it to happen. I think we see that model in, in the Bundesliga for example. I think fans own like majority of the club like it's like a, a 50 plus 1 rule I think that's what they call it. I think La Liga also some clubs I think they vote for they vote most, a lot of the clubs vote for the president who then yeah. goes on to kind of make the decisions regarding how the club is run and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not a foreign concept. In the Premier League, of course, it's different. Um, so, definitely, I, I think Tobole, I think, does feel like he puts himself out there a lot in some cases. 
I remember there was like a Twitter, you know, those Twitter streams where you have different Twitter spaces. I think that's what it's called, where people kind yeah. of talk and they can hear their voice. I think Todd Bowley actually joined one of the fan chats once, <laughs> so um, he was actually listening to some of the fans talking. Apparently, so um, I guess he um, his intentions are not the worst. I guess he wants the club to kind of you know succeed. But he's kind of doing it in a very roundabout way. A lot of these days, we hear something this with this word kind of thrown around: project. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm 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 excited to be part of this project or this project. When a player joins a club, he's like, I was I was you know tempted by this project, and I thought you know that's kind of why I feel he he uh, pulls some players, not just the salary, but also I think they sell he sells this idea that you know. This is a kind of project, you know. We're signing all you young players in like three, four years because you're on such a long contract. In three, four years, you'll be challenging for almost every title. I I don't think this is exactly how the conversation went, but you know, you can leave the rest to your imagination. But it's it's quite like I don't. I think that's a quite a quite a new phenomenon. I think even for other clubs as well. Like you can look at Mikel Arteta, for example. He is a young manager. This is literally his first big job, and now, like you know, he didn't have the best first few years. He finished eighth, eighth, and then fifth. Now, finally, he's playing Champions League football after having a pretty good season last season. You know, almost winning the league and whatnot. But you know, he's still now. In hindsight, people will be like, you know, first first two seasons, you know, sack him. He's finished eighth two twice in a row. But you know now he's in Champions League, so do you give that time? You know that those are kind of questions which owners have kind of they have to kind of ask themselves: are, are they patient or are they not? So sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. But for a for a Boli, I feel like he he's kind of a more you know it's hard to tell what he is because he didn't he didn't back Potter. He sacked him after you know Chelsea were doing poorly. I don't know if he's going to sack Pochettino. I think he will if the results, if they're bought still, you know, in 15th place in December. I think Pochettino has to leave them. But you know, it depends. It's it, it depends on the owner, honestly. Some owners have that kind of patience, and it pays off. It happened with Klopp also, in in to some extent. But other clubs don't really have that kind of patience. I don't think Real Madrid would be content with finishing kind of fifth or fourth. <laughs> For two years in a row, and then um, you know, hoping for the project to succeed. Some clubs need that instant impact. So generally, I think that's also something which is interesting. And I think Todd Bowley's he looks at it in a long, long kind of long, long way. Unlike uh, Abramovich, who used to sack managers left and right if they didn't deliver on the particular season. So that's yeah, that's yeah. a very interesting point. So I mean. Um, that's actually one one of the difference in philosophies that can be highlighted is that uh, Abramovich is more reactionary and he wants success instantly yeah. and he will do anything to get it. Whereas Todd Bowley, you could say, is more long term and he thinks uh, yeah. about what's on the horizon. Um, it maybe he doesn't go about it the right way, but as you said, maybe yeah. the intentions are right. I was listening to uh, Rory Jennings on a stream recently. Yeah, yeah. And I love that guy. <laughs> I, I love that guy. His channel. I, I like yeah, yeah. subscribe to his channel. Man. Me too, me too, me too. I like listening um, to him. He actually, he does speak a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But I think, I think one statement that he casually threw out the other day was that Todd Bowley wants to milk the club for money. 
and mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not sure like i i think i feel like that's a very complex phenomenon that you simplified there with very casual wording uh that's a very yeah. casual thing to throw out um especially because i think that boli has shown over uh, over last season or so that he is he does want the club to be successful uh, whether that translates to monetary success for him i don't know but he has he has aside from the investment he's shown an active he's he's been very hands on with his approach like you said he's appointed himself director um maybe that's yeah. probably not the, that's probably not the best decision yeah but yeah i think he stepped down there. actually he stepped down at the end of okay. last season so he was okay right after abramovich left he appointed himself that but then after a while i think he stepped down so now i think that's changed but you know he was interim for uh, for a bit i think he stepped down in early 2023 okay 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 yeah yeah so i mean aside from, he feel it feels like he's got uh plans for the future and you know you you do have uh the with the word project thrown about a lot and like he's highlighted with arteta that can be very successful um it's just that what is a project really you know how yeah. long how long is a project what what is it what does being successful at the end of a project mean does it yeah. mean silverware or does it mean mm-hmm. adhering to the style of play that chelsea have traditionally yeah. had what is a project um that's tough to quantify and that's why it doesn't necessarily sit well with fans which is understandable mm-hmm. um but where do you so let's so we've spoken about ownership so far um i think we can all agree though that on some level chelsea have been uh, very unlucky on the field i think their performances have not justified yeah. their place in the league table uh nicholas mm-hmm. jackson for example has been uh, he's been good yeah. but like his finishing could be better uh yeah. so you do have these issues um so you, if you want to sort of come on to the on field where do you think chelsea can improve where do we go from here yeah i mean obviously we speak about ownership but at the end of the day the game is played on the field so and they're not yeah. playing very well on the field unfortunately for them um but actually they are i actually looked at the table the other day and this was actually the league table for this season um if it was based on xg and yeah oh, okay and actually chelsea was second on that list oh wow that's Our incredible teams, chelsea was second yeah, that's that's an incredible thing to think about to just think yeah, about that exactly so there i think wow. man city were ahead of them but they were yeah. second so wow. i mean that's goes to show what's exactly wrong with chelsea they're just not scoring goals they're not converting yeah. chances and that con- and i i feel problem is like if you looked at the villa game for example they had a lot of chances if you look at the liverpool game you know, they played better than liverpool did in my opinion it was not by much but they did play better in the second half so uh, those two uh, are some sample sizes we can kind of see and say yeah they should have won those games against bournemouth for example you know these are games where they were they should have scored a few goals but they're just not clinical enough and it comes down to i feel personnel somehow um let's not forget that on big signing that they had was christopher and kunku and mm-hmm. he's injured right now and he was actually really good in pre-season i think he was scoring goals even max jackson was also playing well in pre-season they were playing a 4231 with a d- double pivot but then for some reason pochettino switched to a back three and you know it was 
like why why you do that you're playing well i think now in recent games he's played this the, his old system except i don't know why he's playing callwell as a left back and then ben chilwell as a left yeah. winger of the bench no then ben chilwell is dropped now yeah he's he's been yeah, dropped he comes off the bench and he comes off the winger. bench as a winger yeah comes on for mudrick um, which mudrick again i i have many chelsea fans and i've seen some clips myself i don't watch full chelsea games i only watch the liverpool versus chelsea game but i watch full game i whatever clips i see mudrick does look very promising actually looks threatening yeah. and yeah. i think that's what chelsea are missing they're not threatening enough and clinical enough in front of yeah. goal and that's costing them yeah um i think i think i'm there with you uh, on a lot of issues i agree with most of them um i also think it's a squad building issue yeah. <clears throat> and again this boils down to ownership uh you look at who chelsea starting with uh nicolas jackson you could argue he is a starting level chelsea striker i mean okay with if you if you look at drogba and and the rest of the strikers chelsea have had like maybe not but i feel like his link up play is is very underrated and he's very good at that mm-hmm. um if he if he polishes up his finishing i think he's right up there uh yeah. but you you look at that front line of sterling and jackson and mm-hmm. behind them you have that four that midfield four um you have enzo and conor gallagher i believe behind him behind yeah. them with chuko meka but chuko meka got injured and it's yeah, that's just, another thing. Yeah, yeah. Go on. I was saying that that's another thing. They have been a little unlucky with injuries. Reece James, their club yeah. captain, injured. Um, Reece James injured. always injured. I mean, yeah, he would actually be in the, in my opinion, he would be in the conversation for best right back in the league. But yeah, I just yeah, can't yeah. put him there because he hardly plays, man. Like if he doesn't yeah, play, plays, how can yeah. we put him there? So yeah, uh, yeah, Reece yeah. James, Kukrela, um, Chukumeka, uh, Nkunku. All these yeah. guys are injured, so they're yeah. also a little unlucky in that sense as well. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, and currently you look at the bench, and if you need a goal, you, you have Kaiseido. I mean, Kaiseido starts, but who do you have coming on? Conor Gallagher, Cole Palmer. I mean, these these guys aren't going to get you goals. Uh, yeah. And I'm not. I'm not saying that you need the traditional goal scorer in your team. I'm not going to be very. Uh, I'm not going to be very Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher about mm-hmm. it, um, but I think you can play around. You can adapt to your absence of a of a number nine. But I don't think Pochettino has done that yet. Or yeah. do you think he has? Though I mean, I I feel like I mean the the clearly the XG is there. Yeah, do you I, think I there's that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Uh... To answer your question, he has somewhat done it because the chance it would it would be actually worse if they were not creating chances. Then you're like, yeah, well, what's going on? But they're actually creating chances. They have the xG. They're just not being clinical. I mean, to say for to take the example, last game against uh, uh, Aston Villa, Emmy Martinez was man of the match. When a goalkeeper is man of the match, that means yeah. he has has had to make a lot of saves. so they are making those kind of chances but it's it's another it's a, it's a it's a puzzling one because again a striker a clinical striker it's a very rare commodity in modern football i feel these days you know kind of like 
what the number six is in many ways, which is why guys like Enzo and Kaiser have gone for such high prices. Um, Lavia also. So it's it's hard to find some that one striker who's gonna be the guy who's gonna be like, screw it, I'm gonna score this goal. I'm gonna be clinical. You know, the Haaland's, the Benzema's, the Ivan Tonys, the Harry Kane's. You know. Victor Bon, like there's one player in Leverkusen, for example, who's been pretty good at this is uh, Boniface. Boniface, and he's been, yeah. I think he's been going off this season, and then um, the current top scorer in a Bundesliga place for uh, um, Stuttgart. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just get his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gurias Gurasi. He's got ten goals and he's taken like eleven shots or something. It's a bizarre stat. Okay, these are okay. <laughs> these are like the kind of players who you be like, yes, this guy's gonna be a goal scorer. Chelsea unfortunately don't have that those kind of players at least right now. Playing Nicholas Jackson, maybe he will be one of those players one day, but Chelsea can't wait because if they do, if they don't start winning games, you know, we could be having a different conversation next season or at this time in February or March. And it won't be a good one if you're a Chelsea fan. So, you know, it, they need so, to get their act together quickly. So, I mean, where do we go from here? What is the goal? What is the expectation of Chelsea's current season? Is it to... I mean, obviously, they're not going to finish in the Champions League spots. I mean, they're, they're pro- okay, yeah, they're not. Um, a miracle. They're, pro- they're probably not going to be relegated. Hopefully so they not. might they might be mid mid table, which is fine for a season. But what is the plan? What is the plan next season? Is it to make more transfers or is it to build upon what they have already? Because in if you if you're looking at a project, you would opt for the latter. You you would opt yeah. for building up your youngsters and and complementing them with uh, with wiser wiser legs, which which can be found in the transfer mm-hmm. window. You can also bank on the likes of Thiago Silva and, and, and uh, on for sticking around for a few more years and, and guiding those young heads. That is, in my head, what a project is, where you build upon what you have uh, mm-hmm. and you complement it. Um, but is that, do you see that happening uh, with the coming transfer windows? Because as we can see, he's got a pension for spending money. What, what do you think happens? I think um, he will spend money on transfers in the next in the winter transfer window I don't think there's any doubt um, mm-hmm. another thing is that Chelsea if you think about it had a really good academy you know yeah had a lot of players coming through the academy oh, the, when Lampard was there especially with this, the one good season in his managerial career where he took a transfer ban Chelsea to top four using a lot of academy players he made he uh, made uh, Reese James debut. Tammy Abraham was huge for them that season. Mason Mount that Mason was his this season as well. Um, you know, but they were actually I think they're kind of going away from that. You know, you can see that with selling Lewis Hall, who was a left back yeah. last season. They sold him to uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. Which, yeah. um, you know, it's it it, it it I don't really understand that they're kind of changing their philosophy. In many ways, then they're not allowing these talents to kind of develop. So that's not another thing that they need to look at. If if they want to do it in the project way, I guess if this season they can use it as a write-off in many ways. I don't know if Pochettino stays because you can't. You need stability in the managerial spot as well if you want to do this kind of project. 
But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I feel like there are certain clubs which suit the project um, kind of yeah, way of going about it. Good point. And good um, point. Chelsea earlier we would say it was not one of those clubs, but now they've brought themselves yeah. in such a situation that they need to kind of reassess because a project you could say Tottenham are a club that should do really well with a project. We saw how yeah. it turned out when they bought in like brought in a. Managers who are known winners like Conte and Mourinho, it didn't really work out. Now with Angie, there's yeah. a lot of positivity in the club, and you know, going forward, who knows how they do this season? I think they look quite, quite um, good. We Liverpool actually plays them this week, so that'll be a huge game for both clubs. So that'll be one to watch out for. But you know, that's a kind of project that you know, that's a kind of club that needs like a project. Chelsea also right now, I feel need a project. Although it shouldn't have been the case if you asked me this two years, two seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, with that, I think we've covered most of it. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, Not particularly. I just, it's, I just still kind of find it baffling how they've kind of brought themselves in this position. <laughs> yeah. Because you remember in 2021, you play, you played them in the semifinals, I think, and yeah, they actually they, uh, they, 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 they won us. that game. They, they smacked us up. They should have yeah. won by three or four goals. Yeah, like that whole three at the back revolution: Rudiger, yeah. Pulisic, Mount, Kai Havertz. All these guys, yeah. you know, they were they were. It was looking like you know they were going to be a force to be reckoned with in the league as well, competing with man the likes of Man City, Liverpool, and all, but. How it just suddenly went so south for them that we are doubting that they'll finish in the top half at this time. Of the yeah. Season. So um, yeah, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. They play later it's... tonight. Let's see how that goes. I don't think it's gonna go too well. Brighton are very playing Brighton, so yeah. So we'll yeah, I mean, it it is it is incredible to see how you go from that to this in the space of a couple years. It's it's very and and for Chelsea fans especially it must be yeah absolutely disheartening um that's it must suck to be them right now yeah it happened and, to like clubs in the nineties as well like Blackburn Rovers won the league I got yeah. relegated I think two seasons or one season later Leeds made semi final of Champions League and then got relegated and then come up till like sixteen years later so I don't know if that's gonna happen to Chelsea <laughs> for the, for their sake for the sake of the fans probably their fans. And also, like I, I think they're a fun team to have in the league. I mean, yeah, I don't mind Everton go, Everton going. They can go down. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I like, I, I, I like the battle we have with Chelsea. The fans can be annoying, but you know, it's, it's not, not the worst thing in the world. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, I think we all do well with a quality Chelsea in the footballing landscape. I think it raises the bar of what we watch. Uh, yeah, by by quite a bit actually. Um. Okay, Satyajit, I got to run. Um, Real Madrid right. is actually playing now. So right, I'm going to yeah. go watch that. Las Palmas, and, uh, right? Las Palmas, yeah. And no Jude Bellingham. He's on the bench. Arda Guler got injured again. So that's yeah. super I've disheartening. I've got the shirt on for the wrong club. Though. Oh my God. <laughs> for, our, for our listeners, Satyajit is sporting a Barca jersey whose logo I just see right now. It's a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. That's not... That's not... All right. I can't look at him right now. So I gotta... I gotta (laughs) run. Um, Satish, I will actually see you at football tomorrow as well. Yeah. Yeah. That should be... That should be fun. 
Um, thank you guys for listening. This is the footy pod. You've just listened to how not to run a football club. Um, so if you know, if any of you go ahead and do this, ever run a football club, just don't do what Todd Bowley is doing right now. Um, or do, depending on how things go. So this is the mm-hmm. footy pod. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm Tridip Satyajit here as well. Yep. Thank Thanks you guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.